1: Hey parents, Tim Wright here along with Dr. Michael Gurian for a special edition of the Wonder of Parenting podcast. Uh, Michael, it's good to have you with us today.
0: Great to be here. Thank you.
1: So normally we don't tell you what days we're recording because we always record quite far in advance, but today is important for you to know the context. It is March 16th, 2020, and uh, the world is engulfed with the coronavirus pandemic and uh, today and in fact right about now I was supposed to be leaving for the airport to head to Israel for 10 days that trip was cancelled yesterday was the first time in my 36 years of being a pastor that we shut down worship and we did a live stream Michael I know for you your synagogue did the same thing yep and uh, of course uh, we're we're hearing stories minute by minute of people dying people contracting the disease we're hearing words like uh, quarantine and social distancing and our children are hearing all of this and they're being impacted because schools all across the country are being closed and their child minds are trying to deal with a very adult issue And uh, so we thought that we would get on the horn today with you folks and uh, put out this special edition and uh, pick Michael's brain a little bit about how we can talk to our kids about the coronavirus. And uh, I want to just give a special shout out to my son, Mike Wright, from the Fantasy Footballers. He's the one who uploads these podcasts for us, and he said he would get it on as soon as possible. So thanks to him. Uh, So Michael, uh, there are parents out there whose kids are hearing all of these stories And our kids all respond differently. Um, Initial thoughts when you are thinking about that question, talking to kids about the coronavirus, what comes to your mind? And then we'll take it from there.
0: Yeah, I think my initial thoughts are about about non traumatizing. You know, we don't we adults are being put right now in a situation where we're we're high anxiety because we have um, uh, social media and media that's just pummeling us. And uh, there's some confusion in leadership, you know, about what to do, and that's shifting and evolving day-to-day, day. Um, and, and just meanwhile, meanwhile we're getting pummeled. And I heard last night in the debate that we are at war, you know, that was the metaphor, we were at war with um with the virus and the world is at war. And I think that that we don't want to pass that on to our kids. Uh, We want to have measured conversation with them and and I'm going to divide them into younger ages and older ages. For the older ages, so fourth, fifth graders on up, certainly sixth graders on up, I think this is a really good time to have them uh, watching with us uh, stations like Bloomberg Television, uh, S- uh, CNBC, folks that are doing economics, folks are, that are that are tr- trying to look at recession and things like that. And, and it's a good opportunity to get them uh, to learn about money and economics and infrastructures and countries and, you know, all of that. For the younger, um, they're not going to be as into that. So we're going to more have to have one-on-one with them and say, okay, you know, this is okay. This is not This is not, um, it is not a war. You you are not in a trauma situation. This is a temporary situation. Uh, The virus itself is not uh, uh, dangerous to kids. And, um, uh, you know, so you're okay. And what we're going to need to do is keep you away from older people because it is dangerous to them. You know, be honest with these kids. It is dangerous to these older people and people who have these conditions. And let's study what these conditions are. What is diabetes? Let's talk about that. What is uh, COPD or respiratory? You know, let's use this as a teaching time since we have all this time with our kids. Um, uh, that that that's my initial because I can you can tell I think we are um, uh, we're causing a, a lot of destruction because um, we are reacting the way we're reacting um, as if it's a war. And I think that causes destruction to economy and to families that, that we need to kind of push back on. Uh, just
1: for a, a, a little bit of history, uh, Michael and I are of a certain age where we we've been through – things like this. Uh, This seems pretty different than something we've been through before. But uh, back in a previous life, I used to do uh, seminars on generations. And I would look at the generational stories of uh, like the the greatest generation ever. And and of course, baby boomers, which you and I are a part of. And um, part of the growing up for baby boomers was this thing called duck and cover. And Michael, I don't know if you ever did it, I didn't, but some of our older boomers did, where uh, they would have like fire drills, but they would have to jump under the desks just in case uh, the atomic bomb went off. And then, uh, you know, years and years later, sociologists looked at the impact of that experience on these kids, and it shaped a certain generational fear uh, that the generation grew up with. And I think in part it's because we didn't do what we're talking about today on this podcast. We didn't really deal with the fear that those kids were experiencing. They were just ducking and covering, but there was no context given to those those childlike minds at that point. And so it seems like this is an opportunity to talk about things, uh, to to deal with the fear that kids are, are experiencing. And uh, so I want I want to ask you about that. But before I do, what I want to ask you is what should parents look for from their kids that suggest that their their kids are being impacted by this emotionally, especially with some fear and panic.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really great question, and um, I think there are two layers to look at. The first layer is that kids are going to be whining more now. Families are going to be stuck together. Let's say right self quarantining, or parents are not working, um, or they're working from home. So there's there there's going to be sibling rivalry. There's going to be all these things. So we just just at that layer is, we know that's going to happen and we just have to practice some good discipline and whatever is our system and kind of divide our labor to help keep our kids learning and also um, entertained and taking care of each other while we have to work from home, etc. But in terms of looking at a trauma response, that would be if if um, a child is isolating, um, crying a lot. Uh, clearly getting anxious, and every child will know when their child, every parent will know when their child's getting anxious, uh, biting their nails a lot, or uh, even had an extreme self-cutting, or doing something that um, clearly shows how anxious they are, uh, verbalizing their anxiety, uh, getting uh, very angry a lot, um, you know, surprisingly so, not like they didn't used to get this angry two months ago, getting angry a lot. These sorts of things could be trauma response, and so then in that case, we want to we want to approach it that way and um and try to get them well we have to calm down our own trauma as i said before we have to get off social media calm down our own trauma and um and and help protect them from this becoming trauma i know that
1: kids especially younger kids don't always have words for fear or i'm afraid um are there things that that parents can do to begin to give them a vocabulary to help that for maybe parents to begin by saying this is uh, how I feel, or this is what I'm afraid of, or, or can that have a negative impact by making kids even more afraid?
0: Oh no, I think honesty is the best policy. You, if, if the parent is afraid, especially for, unfortunately, there are going to be tens of millions of people who become unemployed or businesses are closing down, um, uh, and, and so they are going to be afraid and anxious, so I think they need to be honest with their kids and say, you know, this is what we're facing. Um, and, and this is what I'm facing, and this is my story, you know, and the child needs to hear the parent's story. Um, uh, and then at the same time, the parent says to the child, but you know everything's going to be okay, and you know we've been through these things before, and, and things are going to be okay. So um, we're, we're working really hard uh, so that everything will be okay for you kids. It will be okay. Here's your job. Your job right now is don't don't pick as many fights. Um, your job right now is do your homework and don't make me, um, uh, you know, have to uh, go at you constantly to do your homework. Your job is to clean up the yard. I don't have time to do that. So give the kids a job. Give them a role. Give them purpose. Uh, and, but be honest with our story. Uh, so
1: is there, a, is there a place and a time where uh, parents want to be, uh, you know, to say, this is sort of my story. But, uh, I'm guessing it can be sort of that, that, that dance between here's my story, but not wanting to overwhelm and put my fear onto the kids at the same time.
0: Yeah, I don't think we will. If we tell our story and then, and we give them purpose, you know, and we kind of realign them as kids to what their responsibilities are, um, we should be okay. They, they're, they're resilient. They just need the signal from us that things are going to be okay. And, um, that everyone's working, you know, to make things okay, including the child, is working to make things okay. Uh, if they, you know, if they lack the vocabulary for fear, let's say they're young, much younger, um, uh, they're going to still gain from hearing our story, and they're going to still gain from us saying things are going to be okay, and here's what you can do to help. Things are going to be okay. Here's what you can do to help. Uh, that I think is the message. If the child is is showing a, a, a lot of fear. I mean, one immediate strategy is get them off of everything, you know, screens, social media, TV. Um, They can watch nice Disney movies, and and they can do their chores, and they can um, help us out. They can help us with cooking. I mean, that, you know, get them into work, into honorable and reasonable work, and get them away from what's feeding their fear. Because what's going to be feeding their fear is going to be social media, media. And then, uh, of course, if their, their trust uh, trusted elders like ourselves are just immersed in fear and can't and can't protect the kids that's where they're going to get it so if one of the places they're getting it is social media that one's easy if uh, get them out of that stuff if if the other place they're getting it is from us then i'm I'm suggesting this course of getting our story out to them but then giving them sacred purpose uh, so that they can help solve the problem and if we are at a point where we are we, especially people who already have anxiety disorders, Um, or high on the anxiety scale, this is going to trigger, I'm talking Mm -hmm. adults now, this is going to trigger a lot of anxiety. It's going to trigger insomnia. It's going to trigger a lot of mental disorders or at least mental difficulties for adults, especially those of us significantly impacted. And, uh, like, for instance, uh, your church is impacted, you as yep. a pastor are impacted, the Gurian Institute is impacted. So, yep. so it's, you know, so there's 100 million, I would estimate, or 120 million people right now are going to be negatively impacted by, uh, you know, what I believe is an overreaction, but by the reaction that, that are we're having. So, Uh, So, our anxiety disorders, if we have them, we got to go back into counseling, you know, and it's going to be telecounseling. We got to get help for that so that, uh, for ourselves, so that we don't live in such terrible anxiety that we can't, you know, sleep for this two to three-month period uh, and for the sake of our children. Uh, And this is a two to three-month period. Unless this thing mutates, which it did not do in China, um, unless it mutates and there's some complete unknown, right? That, that would simply have to be a m- mutation. Um, this is, this is a hard two to three months and you know, then it passes. And, and if it reoccurs by then, we're going to understand it so much better that we won't have to, uh, just destroy our economy for this. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you.
1: Meet Plush Care. So, so this will seem like a, a weird seg, but uh, I think the the whole world has been fascinated with this run on toilet paper. And there have been a number of articles written about why is that? What What's the science behind it? What's the emotion behind all this panic buying of toilet paper? And um, I've read several articles that suggest that this is one way— that people, when life is out of control, can take a little bit of control, and there's buying toilet yep. paper. Um, so, yep. is there, and, and this could maybe be a, a positive or a negative, it's a negative right now because there are a lot of people who need toilet paper and can't get it. Are there some things that we can do for our children that give them a sense of control when life seems out of control? And you, and you talked about doing chores and so on, but uh, that's are there control, some things,
0: yeah. Yeah, because yeah, people who, especially people who are, are anxious or have um, other mental health issues, um, they're most likely to to be doing this hoarding, and and um, and it is it is in part because of the disorders they may have. For some of them, uh, for others it is about uh, well, for all of them it's about control. They life is out of control, and they want to take control. And of course, your bodily functions are where you can get control. Mm. So um, it's just like a child who ultimately the only thing a little child controls is when that child is going to be potty trained. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I right. mean, that's one of the only things they control. They have control of that. And we'll do everything we can, of course, but ultimately they control their own potty training. And and uh, we're at that same level. So, it is about control. And for children, uh, and that's why I really want us to sh- show them things like Bloomberg, you know, the older ones, get them Talking about economics, turn this this wound into gold. Turn this uh, difficult time into learning, and um, uh, and not just entertainment, not just plopping them in front of five movies a day, but actually get them learning from this. And and as they learn more, um, you know, they will have more control. As they do more. Uh, uh and this is about purpose. As they do more chores, as they help the family, as they as they do more, they will have more control. Um, the losing of control is something that is exacerbated by just sitting around doing nothing and ruminating on the fear and then and then reacting to the fear in the parents and and just mentally trying to react to all that, uh, but not doing anything. Uh doing stuff, I think, is going to be one of the best elixirs here. And um, I think that's gonna be especially true. Um, and, and that the, we who are parents, you and I, of course, don't have parents in the home now, but you have grandkids. But all of you out there who are parents, as we go through the process and we're self- aware, uh, one of the ways we can become aware of the fact that we need to institute some of these strategies is if if we find ourselves getting really angry at our kids,, yeah. you know, then then our anxiety level has gotten high. And we're trying to process all that anxiety and it's unconscious. And and so we're, you know, we project out and we get angry. For some people, they'll go very inward. For some people, they'll get angry. So if, if an adult right now is listening, is thinking, oh yeah, I am getting really angry at my kids a lot. Um, uh, that's how the adult's trying to take control, you know? The adult is getting angry and trying to get the kids to act a certain way um, uh, to assuage the anxiety in the adult. So all of these things are gonna come out now in families And, uh, and, and that's why I'm glad we're doing this podcast. It's a great idea on Mike's part and your part. I,
1: I know that a number of our parents listening right now are stressed out over a lot of things. And one of the things is these extended school breaks where some of these parents, you know, it's it's two working parents or it's a single mom, and uh, you know, it's one thing to have to watch your kids over spring break and figure that out, but now uh, with the potential of some schools closed for an extra week, and we're you know, our state and others are talking about three, four, five, six more weeks, um, and the impact that that will just have on on trying to figure out childcare and finances and what you do with your kids. Um, there's, there's a a lot of pressure building for our parents. And, uh, and this is sort of a, a time to, uh, maybe step back before it gets, you know, exasperated too much and come up with some of the plans that you're talking about. It sounds to me like this is a good time to do some book reading with kids to get outside and play. Uh, some of the things that we maybe don't normally do in our, uh, visual world with a lot of screens. Um, and, uh, and, and probably learning to do some things that uh, you and I grew up doing, but that have sort of uh, been pushed off to the, sh- the side because of, we live in a different world. So uh, I'm guessing yeah. that, that parents are going to need some of these strategies t- to start soon.
0: Yeah, outside is really good. Nature therapy, it's called, really, from a clinical uh, point of view, where, where going out in nature and being out in nature is therapeutic um it's therapeutic for the brain it puts the brain back in its natural setting and natural environment the brain responds well to it uh so so we therefore call it nature therapy uh outdoor play you know one side of the coin is people need some therapy right now and nature is a good place and the other side of the coin is simply being outdoors uh, for those who can go outdoors and even in the colder climates, um, you know, bundle them up, get them outdoors for an hour or two or whatever is logical based on temperature. Um, that's going to be very important because uh, we're, we're going to definitely want to look at things that are good for the brain right now because you know, the brain's under stress. So, so uh, outdoor life is good for the brain. Doing is good for the brain. Um, important conversations, conversations with gravitas between parents and children, good for the brain. Extended family, good for the brain. This is a time to rely on grandparents, on aunts, uncles, uh, on co-ops, um, as everyone juggles the fact that as you noted, the kids are gonna be around a lot. Um, I think one of the things we would find to be not good for the brain right now of these kids is if we do put them in front of screens for pure entertainment yeah, or just in front of screens for, you know, 10 hours a day, it's a temptation, especially with parents having to work, but uh, work from home. But I think it's important that, uh, and especially if you have multiple siblings, that they entertain each other doing other play and doing other things. Yeah, a, a couple of Disney movies, let's say, okay, that's going to happen, but um but uh, otherwise, uh, if they don't have to be on um, uh, on computers and the Internet, um, then take them off of that stuff. And especially because they're going to have to do a lot of online schooling. So they're going to be in front of that screen already for three, four hours every day now um, if they're going to online school. We don't want them in front of the screen another six hours. That's going to be bad for the brain.
1: I'm guessing that there are also some... Uh foods like sugars that probably exasperate fear and panic
0: yeah stress. i would cut down on i would cut down on junk food um try to cut it out if you can um uh, uh get get rid of overuse of sugars kids you know candies are used as rewards sometime and that kind of thing but but overuse of us watch out for that uh overuse of of um carbs like like cereals that are pretty much all sugar you know um in the morning. Just if you feed that to the child and the child's going to go stir crazy, you know, in your home, because all that just does is, especially for boys, make them move around a lot and um, not really focus their brain. So proteins in the morning, really watch the microbiome and the, and the t- stomach, just really know what is good for this child and what is not good for this child. And we've done other programs on this. Um, and, and so junk food's an easy one. You, we all know junk food is bad for our kids. So start there cut that out, um, that, that will help.
1: I have uh, checked in with my son and his wife. They have three kids, and we just did an overnight with uh, my daughter's two kids. And uh, we're just in the first weekend of spring break and, and they're already all going bananas. So, right. you know, I, this this is a, such a, a different world that we're in. And um, I, I do have one more question for you, but I, I was reading an editorial today in uh, USA Today that said, um, you know, some various things we need to do to keep our sanity, and one of them was a little humor. So I'm going to give you just a little humor, okay. uh, even though this is an important topic. A friend of mine sent me a picture, and uh, it shows... Um, people, uh, three people in hazmat suits. And one of them says, no one survived. And the other one says, but did you see how clean their butts were?
0: (laughs) That's a good parenting joke. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good joke. So,
1: uh, here's my my, kind of my last question and, and, you know, who knows how long this is going to go on. Um, so we may come back to this topic, but, uh, once everything settles down, and kids are going back to school again, I would imagine that for some kids, and you know, kids are different, that the, some kids are going to be a little nervous about that because they've had to stay away from school because of this virus. And now they're going back, and they're going to wonder, am I safe? Am I okay? What should parents be thinking about and talking about when that day
0: comes? Yeah, both parents and teachers and then everyone around them, coaches, et cetera, are going to be having conversations with kids. Uh, they're going to be saying, uh, and I think the conversations are going to be in a number of tangents. One is, of course, going to be everything's cleaned. Um, you know, we've done the protocols. You're safe. Don't worry. That's going to be one. And that's going to be similar to kids who go back to school after there's been a school shooting in their district. And, um, you know, counselors are on board if kids have been traumatized, which, which they will have been. Uh, so, counselors, coaches, there's new training for coaches and teachers on how to have trauma response. And, and some of that is going to happen here. Uh, especially for the kids who have been traumatized, I think a second layer uh, is uh, uh, of conversation is going to have to be. And again, this is unless this disease mutates, which it doesn't look like it will. Um, okay, uh, guess what? Here's what we did. Here's what we learned in the face of this. But remember, this is not a very dangerous disease to you, kids. Um, let, there's a science here and the science is this afflicts these people and so let's be really conscious of these people, especially frail elderly and people with significant pre-existing conditions in, in certain categories. Um, and and here's what's happened, uh, you know, we have these deaths, we have a country of 330 million people, we have these deaths, um, uh, here's what diseases have done in the past you know schools are very safe uh, we're gonna have to have that kind of contextualizing conversations with kids because they're not getting that now right now they're just getting panic from the media and um and they're not getting what I think i, I think right now what we should be doing is different than we're doing actually if we were really looking at this from a scientific point of view and I'd love to do that with the kids uh, what we would be doing right now is we would be deploying the military to build more um, hospital beds and tent hospitals and clinics to take in the overflow. And and we would be um, uh, quarantining the elderly. We would not be doing, uh, you know, we would not be creating a recession and decimating the economy and taking kids out of school if we were really thinking straight. But we're not thinking straight. And so we're doing what we're doing. As we look back on this, I think it's very important to talk to kids and say, okay, this is what we did. And here's what we learned from it. But this was this disease for you kids uh, uh, was not and is not very dangerous. And by then, we'll know, probably somewhere, somewhere in the U.S., a child will die from this somewhere, uh, maybe. And somewhere, a teen will die. And somewhere, some people in their 20s will die. But those numbers are going to be incredibly small. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, I think part of the conversation with kids will be, you're safe, and here's what we learned. Um, and here are the changes that are going to go on in our culture based on what we learned. And those changes should also make the kids feel safer. Uh, because my my hope and belief is that we will look back on this, realize how profoundly we had a knee-jerk overreaction and, you know, how many lives were destroyed economically uh, by this reaction we had, this non-targeted reaction. We have not targeted military and hospitals, and we have not targeted Um, just the elderly, right? We've targeted everybody. Right. Uh, And um, as we look back on that, I think we're going to see we should have had a more measured reaction. And then hopefully in the future, since we will have more pandemics, climate change will create more pandemics. There are more germs getting out because the earth's getting hotter. So that's a given. And since we will have more pandemics, I'm praying the goal that comes out of this overreaction is going to be, we'll do better next time. And the kids can hear that. We can tell them that story.
1: Yeah. So uh, I I hear you saying a number of things just to kind of summarize. Uh, One is, to the best of our ability, let's just get our kids off of uh, these uh, constant second-by-second news breaks and social media. Uh, for older kids, let's use uh, stations or networks like Bloomberg and CNBC that talk about this from a, uh, an economic perspective. So kids can get a little broader sense of what's going on. Uh, and, uh, and, and to be honest with our, our kids about our own fears, but to let them know their fears are okay but they have they don't need to be afraid in the end because they're not going to be hurt by this and uh, we're going to be very careful to protect the older people that they love their grandmas and grandpas and and then to uh, you know to the best of your ability take the opportunity to spend time with your kids you've got this new opportunity to do that and so find some rich ways to uh, engage together go outside and play read books and so on does
0: that kind of cover what we talked about uh, yeah yeah i think so i And I want to add something that is kind of that has gravitas, uh, which is that that we we in the U.S. especially, I think, try to protect our children from life and death. You know, we Uh, try to we keep them away from people who are dying. Quite often, Um, we keep them away from dealing with these things that you know most people in the world deal with life and death more than we do. They're not as protected as we are. I, I, you've traveled overseas. I've lived in other countries like Turkey and India, and you know, kids are just raised with life and death there. They they just know people are dying around them all the time, and and uh, this is a time to talk about life and death with kids and to uh, give kids some orientation toward that kind of gravitas, um, and and um, n- not not necessarily overprotect them from from conversations about about disease and about death and about, uh, like, like I'll give, I'll end with an example of my dad, my dad, who's 91. He's our only living of that generation. Uh, he's 91. He's still alive. He's about seven minutes from my house in a, um, assisted living and they've, they've locked down. So it's going to be a month or two. I can't go see him. Yeah. Uh, they're not letting him out even to go to the doctor unless it's absolutely essential. Um, they're giving him food in their rooms. So they're not even allowed to walk the halls and, and, um, if I had kids right now, you know, I would talk about, I would talk about that as life and death. That for him, it is life and death. Um, especially as they apply these protocols, right? I mean, this is yep. all being done because of these protocols that are set in place. That's the population for which this is life and death. And um, uh, I think it's okay to to talk to kids about death more than we do in America, so that as they grow up, they they understand the balance um, of death and of illness inside the balance of all sorts of other things. Um, Because I do think that some of the overreaction going on right now, um, I'm going to look back on it, but I think some of it is a profound fear of death
1: Hmm.
0: and the kind of denial of death that we have, uh, you know, that Becker talked about. And I, I, I want to process it more. I'm thinking a lot about it. Um, I'll do some more writing on it. Um, but I, do, I, 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 th- I think that we are overprotective of our kids around issues of gravitas. And mm-hmm. so, maybe this is a time to talk to them about issues of gravitas. And that doesn't cause trauma. Trauma, when things like this can be caused because we protected them so much from anything with gravitas, you know, that when these things emerge, Um, they've been overprotective and they don't even have a language for processing this kind of illness and this kind of death yeah so that's it's more abstract but i hope it, it touches some people i am
1: right now reading a biography on mr rogers and i'm guessing there are a lot of parents out there who really miss mr rogers right now who just had a way of talking with kids about these kinds of things but we've got the next best thing. We've got Dr. Michael Gurian here to at least help us think about oh. how to help our kids through this. <laughs> You're and, bad. <laughs> uh, I'm, being, I'm giving you a compliment. Okay. and, uh, and uh, Because we, we, we do need your advice. And... Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're walking in a, a world right now that most of us have not walked through before with this sort of stuff going on. We've been through 9-11. You know, we've been through the Great Recession. Uh, some have been through World War Two. But this just has a different feel to it just because of the way the world is shutting down with this fear that I might get the sickness. And that's going to impact our kids. So we want to use this opportunity to speak some life and confidence and hope into them. And uh, Michael, thank you so much for all the insights and strategies you've given us today.
0: Oh, thank you, Tim. And thanks to your son for suggesting this.
1: You bet. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We hope things go well for you. Stay safe.